0: you would now, take out your Bibles and open them with me to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians in chapter 3. Our Bibles have disappeared. We're going to read only one verse this morning. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4. Colossians 3 and verse 4. Here's what we read. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him. In glory. This morning, I want to prepare our hearts to take the Lord's Supper together by focusing on four words in that verse four. The words, Who is your life? The context of these words is Paul's instruction in verses one and two. We are to seek the things that are. Above. Church, we are to set our minds on spiritual things, not worldly things. We are, to be, we are to care about God, care about His purposes, care about His work in the world. We're to care about souls. We're to care about those things which really matter, not, not earthly things. Treasures like money and possessions, but, but spiritual treasures like patience and kindness and love and mercy. These are the things that we should be pursuing. These are the things that should be occupying our thoughts. And Paul gives us three reasons why we should have our minds set on heavenly things. He, he gives us a past reality He gives us a present reality and he gives us a future reality. And if you look in verse 3, you'll see the past reality, namely, you have died. Christians, you have died. As Christians, we have experienced a real death. It's the death that we symbolize when we go under the water in baptism. We have died to the rule of sin. We have died to our old way of living. We have died to being consumed with the temporal, trivial passing cares of this world. No longer are we the people we used to be that had our lives obsessed with things that are passing away. No, now we have been raised again to a new way of life, a life that cares about God and His ways and His purposes, things that will last to eternity. And therefore, because you have died, set your thing, set your mind on things above. Live for things above. Live for heavenly realities. Now, it is a strange thing that sometimes... Even after a person has died, there can be spasms, movements in the body. The heart may have stopped beating. The brain has stopped its waves, and yet there can be a muscle spasm in the dead body that sends an arm up in the air and then back down again. Well, in the same way, the old man that we used to be, that man is dead And yet there are times when he still acts out. There are still those spasms, but they are spasms of a dead man. And when God has made us fully perfect, on the day you die or Christ comes back, whichever comes first, there will be no more spasms. At the core of who we are, a radical change has taken place. You and I as believers are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come. Here is the past reality that Paul brings to our attention. We've died to worldliness, we've died to sin, therefore set your minds on things above. He also mentions a present reality. Namely, it's in verse 3, that our life is hidden with Christ in God. This very moment, our life is hidden with Christ in God. But what in the world does that mean? How can we rejoice and say, I am going to set my minds on things above because my life is hidden with Christ in God if I have no idea what that means, right? Right? And so so what does it mean? Well, the subject of the statement is our life. And it refers to this spiritual vibrancy that is in our souls. This life is is that eternal, abundant life that is in our hearts, that that life that trusts God, that loves God, that finds delight delight in God. We used to be spiritually dead. We had none of this. But by the grace of God, we are now alive. We have a genuine spiritual vibrancy in our souls that loves God, longs for God, wants to be near to God, wants to serve God well. And just as physical water flowing from a river brings refreshment and life to our bodies, so living water, the Holy Spirit of God, is flowing from Jesus to us, Refreshing our souls and giving our souls continually this life. Alright, make sure you get this, okay? The wondrous spiritual life that is in our souls right now as Christians is like a stream. Jesus is the ocean. And this is the sense in which our life is hidden with Christ and God. Christ is the source of this life that's beating in my soul right now. I'm not talking about my physical life, I'm not talking about breathing. Okay, that, that's not the life I'm talking about. I'm talking about something more important. the life that loves God, the life that cares about God, the life that treasures God, that wants to be of service to God, that wants to please God. That life is coming to me and to you, Christian, from Jesus, who has given it to you through the Holy Spirit. But what you're receiving right now is the stream. He is the ocean. He is the source of this life that is in you. But you can't see him. He's hidden from you because he's with God in heaven. But it is the character of Christ that is being developed within us. This new spiritual vibrancy that trusts God and loves God, it's the same spiritual life that's in Jesus himself. If we have this life, It is because Jesus is creating in us the very same life that he has in himself. Take Jesus away for a moment and this spiritual life that's in our souls dries up and we become spiritually dead again. Thus, our life is in him and he is in heaven with God. Our life is completely dependent upon him and he is in heaven with God. Matthew Henry says it this way. Christ is at present a hidden Christ, or one whom we have not seen. But this is our comfort, that our life is hidden with him. It is laid up safely with him. In other words, Christ is in heaven. Nothing can touch him. Nothing can harm him. He is completely in control and safe and secure. And he is the source of your life, which means as long as Christ is hidden in heaven, so also your spiritual life is guaranteed safe, secure, hidden with him. Does that make sense? To anybody? Does that make sense? You get it? Okay. In light of this, in light of your security as a Christian, in light of the fact that if you've been born again, this life that you have in your soul will never end because Christ will continually give it to you. In light of this confidence about your salvation, stop despairing and being anxious about passing things and set your minds on things above. That's the logic of the text. Don't be anxious about tomorrow and the little things that are happening. You are secure. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Therefore, you can spend your time thinking about things that matter, things that are eternal. So, past reality, present reality, future reality. Jesus, who is our life, is going to appear again. And there will be a second Christmas And he will break again into this world. And when he does, we're going to appear with him in glory. Right now, you and I, Christians, we're not yet fully glorified. Amen? You know that about yourself. We're not perfect yet. Right? But when Jesus, who is our life, comes on the scene, we will be perfect and we will be with him in all glory. Our bodies will be glorified. Our souls will be perfected. This earth as we know it is going to pass away. We will dwell with Jesus in glory forever. We will be perfectly conformed to his image. Therefore, since that is our future, being perfectly like Jesus in his glory, therefore, verse 5, go ahead and start putting to death what is earthly within you. That's Jesus' will for you. That's what Jesus is doing. That's what he's accomplishing in you. That's what he's working towards. Therefore, if that's what he's doing by his spirit, walk with the spirit, not against the spirit. If the spirit's goal is to conform you to the glory of Christ, well, go ahead and be a part of that. Put to death those things that are earthly within you. Now, it is in this context, right? of talking about how good God has been to us, talking about the sweet salvation that we have, talking about this wonderful condition that we are in as believers, it is in this context that Paul, almost as an aside, makes these, this comment, these four words. Christ, who is your life. Who is your life. What does it mean? Who? Who? Um, many of you know, is a pronoun, which is a word that replaces a noun in order to avoid repetition. In this case, the word who is standing for the name Christ that comes just before it. Christ is your life. Who is the you? Well, the you is who Paul was talking to, namely the Christians in Colossae. So Paul is saying to these Christians, Christ is your life. Life, and that is true of us. Dear Christian, Jesus is your life. Now, what I want to do for the next few minutes is try and help those four words become meaningful to you. What does it mean that Christ is your life? I want to give you five ways. As it just happens, each of them starts with an S, okay? Five ways that Christ is our life as Christians. I'll give you each one, and after each one, I'll take a moment to apply it. And I hope this will encourage you. I hope this will warm your heart towards greater love to Christ as we prepare for the Lord's table. First, Jesus is the source of our life. Jesus is the source Of our life. If there is any spiritual life in your soul, Jesus is the one who put it there. There is no other source. Love for God, faith in God, submission to God, these things do not come naturally to us. By nature, we are dead to these things. The kind of life that is characterized by these things is the kind that can only be given by Jesus Himself. After all, we can't receive this life from someone who doesn't have it for themselves. If I come to you and I ask you to give me a dollar, and you don't have a dollar, can you give me a dollar? Well, if what I need is spiritual life, If what I need is is a spiritual vibrancy in my soul that loves God, trusts God, cares about God, where can I turn? Who can I turn to that can give that to me? Only someone who has it himself. And there is no one in all humanity who intrinsically has this life except for Jesus Christ. If you have spiritual life in your soul, guess where you got it from? Guess who placed it there? Guess who gave it to you? Jesus is the way, the truth, the what? The life. Which is why there's only one way to the Father, and it's through him. John 1 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. John 5 26, listen to this, for as the Father has life in himself, So he has also granted the Son to have life in himself. John 5, 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. So the Father has life, right? He has given this life to Jesus, who is His image, who is His reflection. So the Father has life. This life has been communicated to Jesus, who is full of life. And now Jesus gives this life, John 5, 21, to whom He will. First John 5, 12, whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Application, we should be humbled and we should be grateful if Jesus has given us this life. We cannot boast that we live spiritually. We cannot say, I'm so glad I caused myself to have this life in my soul. I'm so glad I opened my eyes and created this love for God within my heart. We cannot talk like that because it's a lie. Luther said, if any man ascribes anything of salvation, even the very least thing to the free will of man, he knows nothing of grace and has not learned Jesus Christ rightly. We can take zero credit for this new life we have. How much credit can you take for your physical life? How much say did you have in being born the first time? How much work did you will to take place in order for you to be born the first time? No, you can take no credit for your physical life. And you can take no credit for your spiritual life. Dear Christian, you ought to be humbled and grateful if you are alive spiritually. Jesus Christ is the source of that life. Jesus has set his favor upon us, dear Christians. Though we are so undeserving, He has raised us from the dead spiritually. And mark this, you and I are not better than other sinners. It is not because we are less deserving of hell that Christ has caused us to be born again. It is not because somehow we were superior to those people who are still sleeping or getting ready for football and who don't give a flip about Jesus who are within a mile of this church that they are as lost as lost can be. It's not because we were somehow superior that Jesus gave us this life and they don't have it. It is only the sovereign mercy of Jesus and all we can do is say, Jesus, I don't understand why you have saved me, but thank you. Thank you and used me to bring this salvation to others. All right, so Jesus is the source of our life. Number two, Jesus is the substance of our life. Jesus is the substance of our life. This one is the most mysterious. I think it's probably the one that Paul has most in mind. It's also very glorious. It's amazing how sometimes the most glorious truths of the Christian faith are also the ones that are the most mysterious. I think it means we'll maybe unfold them more, unpack them more in heaven Forever, never, never. Jesus is the essence, the substance of the life that is in our souls. Jesus is our life in the sense that our Christian lives are actually Jesus living in and through us. Have you ever considered this? Every moment in which you live spiritually, it is Christ who is living In you and through you. We are but a branch. He is the vine. We are but a member of the body. He is the head who is carrying out his life in us. Galatians 2.20 It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If you are alive spiritually, If there is love for God in your soul, if there is delight for God in your heart, that life in your soul is the very life of Jesus Christ being given to you and being exercised in you by Him. Do you see the intimacy and the unity that Christ has with us who are His people? Christ is so intimate with us, so truly one with us, that it is His life being lived within us. We are distinct from Jesus, and yet we are one with Him. We are, it's as mind-boggling as the Trinity itself, to be honest. We are distinct from Jesus. He is the Son of God. We are not. He is to be worshipped. We certainly are not. And yet we are one with him. We are united to him. His life is in us. He has put his own spirit in us. He is living in us as a vine lives through its branches. For in every moment that you are led by the spirit, walking in the spirit, doing spiritual things, it is Jesus doing those things in you and through you. It is the mind of Christ being developed within you. It is the heart of Christ being developed within you. You are a living, breathing, thinking, acting being, and yet it is God, it is Jesus, who is at work in your life so that you will and do according to His good purpose. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now, I can't explain that much more than that (laughs) Um, because it just gets too deep. It gets out of our ability to grasp. Jesus is the substance of the life that is within us. Application, we should marvel and find great security in the wondrous union we have with Jesus. Christian, do you find great joy in the union? You have with Jesus. Do you see how loved you are? A man, when he has fallen in love with a woman and wants to share his life with her, will propose to her and seek to take her as his wife. Jesus has loved us, and for whatever reason, he has made us his own and has shared his life with us. Even now, we are in a sacred union with Jesus Christ Himself. We will be His. We are His. And we will be His forever. Can you think of anyone else in the world that you would rather belong to? If anyone was going to put their life into you, can you think of anyone you would rather have that happen from other than Jesus Christ, the very Son of God? This is the one who is mighty and yet meek, righteous and yet merciful, urging us forward in holiness, yet being remarkably patient and forgiving. Jesus Christ is the lover of our souls. We have failed him again and again. We have treated him with such disregard. And yet he has united himself to us to be his forever. What can we say to this mysterious truth? But alleluia. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Number three. He's not only the source and the substance of our life. He is the sustainer of our life. It isn't as if Jesus comes to you one day and by his spirit changes you forever causes you to be born again, and then He just leaves you on your own. He gives you life, and then He leaves you, like a like a, a father and mother who, who, who creates this child, and the child is born, and they leave. And the child is left on their own. It's not the way it is. Rather, our spiritual life requires sustaining. It must be maintained. Once saved, always saved isn't automatic. It must be Your salvation, your spiritual life must be preserved. Our spiritual lives are constantly under attack. Under attack from our flesh. Under attack from the world around us. Under attack from Satan and his minions. We have enemies all around us that want to see this new life in us. This spiritual love for God that's in us. They want to see this thing die. And quite frankly, if Jesus doesn't do something, they will succeed in killing it. Jesus does do something. Because he's not only the source of this life, but he is the sustainer of this life. In order for this spiritual life that's been given to us to be destroyed, one of three things would have to happen. One, your soul would have to cease to exist. Two, Jesus, who is the ocean of this life, would have to be destroyed. Or three, there would have to be something that could overpower the and interrupt the Holy Spirit's work of bringing that life from Jesus to us every second of every day. Because right? here's how it happens. You have life in your soul, it comes from Jesus, it comes to you, and it comes via the Holy Spirit. So one of these three things, something must break down if you're to lose that spiritual life and become unsaved again. Well, can your soul be destroyed? Can it cease to exist? No. No. Souls are eternal things. Souls will live forever, whether in heaven or hell. Your soul will always exist. Can Jesus be destroyed? Answer, absolutely not. Who is there that is stronger than Christ? He is the one that has all authority and and all power. He is far more powerful than the devil. He created the devil. He is far more powerful than this world. He could destroy this world with a single word. Our life is with Christ, who is in heaven with God, and who can do Him any harm? Let North Korea fire their best missiles, their most powerful long-range missiles, up into heaven to strike the Lord Jesus Christ. Will they succeed? Absolutely not. And even if one of those missiles could reach Him, they would do Him no harm. Jesus is indestructible. Our souls are indestructible. So the only other way that this spiritual life that is in us could be destroyed is if something could overpower and interrupt the Holy Spirit in His work of communicating that life from Christ to us. He is the postman in this thing. Can anything overpower the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? But as the Bible calls Him often, the very power of God. So in this way, constant, giving to you every day fresh mercies. Every day God is faithful through Christ. He gives you fresh life, new life. Every day He is sustaining this in you and this will continue for all eternity. He's not only the source and the substance, but the sustainer of this life application. We should look at the trials and the difficulties of this life in a different way because of the confidence that we have that our spiritual, abundant, eternal lives will last forever. We can view our trials differently because we know this life that Christ has given us will never end. And we know what he's working towards. Glory in heaven. Romans eight eighteen. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18, So we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, listen to this, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Is that not your experience, Christian? Every day Christ is renewing that life within you, day by day by the Holy Spirit. This light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look to the things not that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. If I am not sure that this spiritual life that Christ has given me is going to last, my life is going to be filled with anxiety and worry And the trials I face are going to make it harder for me to live. Every day as I face a new trial, I hope I can remain saved. I hope I can continue trusting Jesus. I hope I can remain in the grace of God. If I'm not sure about this new life being sustained, I will despair. But when I am confident that through Christ He will be faithful to me and He will continue to sustain this life in me, I can face any trial with confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Number four, number four, Jesus is the sustenance of our life, the sustenance of our life. This is a remarkable thing. Jesus continually, moment by moment, sustains our life, but how does he do it? How does Jesus, via the Holy Spirit, bringing life to us, how does he do it? Well, He works through something we call means of grace. And we've talked about means of grace often here. He uses the Bible and prayer and Christian fellowship to sustain our spiritual lives. But in all of these things, what Christ is ultimately doing is leading our souls to behold him again and again and again. To behold him afresh. It is as we experience him, it is as we adore him it is as we feast on Him in our souls that our spiritual lives are sustained. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat it and not die. I am the and the living bread that came down from heaven, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. John 6, 48 through 51. Christ not only sustains your life, but he sustains it by being its very sustenance. He causes you to think on him, meditate on him, rejoice in him, to behold him anew every day. The more you think on Christ, the more you think of his attributes, the more you think of his work, the more you feast upon him, Your soul lives and lives abundantly. This is life application. This one's easy. We should seek to feast on Christ every single day of our lives. We should seek to eat of the means of grace seeing that it is through the Word of God, that it is through prayer, that it is through Christian fellowship that Christ causes us to see more of His glory, to behold more of His beauty. And as we see Him, as we behold Him, He strengthens the spiritual life that is within, the, within us. It is appropriate that, that we should pursue that. If we want our physical lives to be strengthened, we make sure that we eat appropriately. We make sure that we exercise Well, if we want our spiritual lives to be strengthened, then that part of us must be exercising faith and hope and love, and it must be feasting on those things which are nutritious to our souls. In the physical world, the things that are the most nutritious tend to taste the worst. And those things that taste the best tend to be bad for us. It's not like that in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, the things that are best for you are the things that taste also good feast on the Lord Jesus Christ and you won't get spiritually unfit. You will get spiritually strengthened. Aren't you glad it works that way? Okay. Fifth and finally, Jesus is the strengthener of our life. He not only sustains it, but he strengthens it. Psalm 28, 7-8, through 8, the Lord is my strength. Uh, the Lord is the strength of his People, uh, I am helped. My heart exalts with my song. I give thanks to him. The idea is that when we feel the spiritual life within us beginning to waver, beginning to wane, we can cry out on Christ, cry out to him, and he by his spirit can bring strength to us. When worldliness is afflicting us, when our love for God is, is beginning to be drowned out by love for other, lesser things. We can call out to Christ, the ocean of life. Jesus, I need more. I feel the life within me beginning to dwindle. I feel the life within me beginning to be overcome. I need more. We can go to Him in prayer. And Jesus, by His grace, gives us more and is the strengthener of our soul's application. We should cry out to Christ any moment that we feel our love for God diminishing. Any moment that we feel the pull towards worldliness, the pull to becoming obsessed with passing things, any moment that begins to happen in our soul, we ought to cry out to Christ immediately, Oh, Savior, oh Lord, give me more life. Replenish my strength. Now, to get ourselves to that place, we have to preach to ourselves. David preached to his depressed soul in Psalm 42. Why are you cast down O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. David preached to his soul. There will be times when you will need to preach to your own soul. Soul, do you see the danger you're in? Do you see how your love for God seems to be diminishing? See your sad state. Take action. Get on your knees. Cry out to Christ. Oh Jesus replenish my life? So dear believers, Jesus is our life. He is the beginning of our spiritual lives. He is the end of our spiritual lives. He is the one who sustains our spiritual lives. He is the sustenance and the strengthener of our spiritual lives. Should we not look upon Jesus as our everything? Should we not look upon Jesus as our all in all? And ultimately, here's where I'm trying to get us to. Should he not be precious to us? Listen to Thomas Brooks Oh, it is this Christ that is thy life, it is not thy husband. It is not by child. It is not this thing or that thing. Neither is it this ordinance or that ordinance that is a believer's life. No, it is the Lord Jesus who is the author, who is the very matter, who is the very exerciser, who is the strengthener and completer of a believer's life. You prize great ones, Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is great, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You prize others for their wisdom and their knowledge. The Lord Jesus has in himself all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You prize others for their beauty. Jesus Christ is the beautifulest of ten thousands. You prize others for their usefulness. The Lord Jesus is the right hand of a believer without which he can do nothing. The believer may say of Jesus... What the philosopher said of the heavens, take away the heavens and I shall be nobody. So also if we take away Jesus Christ, a believer is nobody. Nobody to perform any action. Nobody to bear any affliction. Nobody to conquer corruption. Nobody to withstand temptation. Nobody to improve mercies. Nobody to joy in the graces of others. Oh, Christian, prize the Lord Jesus Christ. church do we not see how without jesus christ we are nothing and yet through him we are the apple of god's eye with christ we are holy and precious in god's sight without christ we are detestable to god's sight in christ we are made pure in christ we are god's children in christ we have every spiritual blessing I don't know what else to say to compel your heart towards love for Christ. Young people in here, do you love Christ? You see, you're all in all. You see, you're everything. Do you prefer Him above everything this world offers? Does He have your heart? Christ is our life, and praise God when He appears again. We who know him and treasure him will appear with him also in glory. May God hasten that day. Amen? Let's pray. As we prepare now to come to the Lord's table, just take a few moments to think on what you've heard, think on what has been said, and search your own heart. Are you treasuring Christ?